Kershaw Webster. Things he won't share with us, the darkness in his brain, the dungeon master's plan, the pleasure and the pain. What's better left unknown? Keep calling out to me. I hear him think out loud. My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Welcome to another Dungeon Master's Diary. This is, as ever, my random ramblings that I throw into the microphone throughout the week, and then every week or so try and sort of put together when I've got about maybe half an hour give off take five minutes I throw it out there and as ever it's glaringly personal and pretty intense the ups and downs of my psychology and it's just not you know necessarily a healthy thing but here we are another DM's diary so I do warn you that this is rough and raw and as ever kind of glaringly personal on Thursday I think it was I put out an episode uh, number seven and in there were some uh, reflections which it turns out have kind of sparked a little bit of a response from some of the listeners and I had some brilliant call-ins this week and fabulous ones that I really wanted to share now they're a little long um they're more than the average minute but they are just really great and I wanted to respond to them and I wanted to share the impact that those have had on me which has been incredibly positive so without any further ado let's hear the first one hi Jay Spencer here. Um, I was just listening to your episode number seven of the uh, Dungeon Master's Diary and what you said about um, your lack of belief in the setting that you're working with. And I, I wonder if there's more to be gained from a kind of maybe examining and exploring that feeling of lack of belief because I don't know I personally I don't feel that I mean you you spoke about people using random tables in a way that suggested to me that somehow that implies a lack of investment in the setting or not caring about what those tables give rise to and um just the, and that that idea that random tables and verisimilitude are somehow mutually exclusive um i guess what's inspiring this thought is an episode i did a while back where i was intending to, i i i wanted to create an adventure for a solo session and I used uh, I used some random tables uh, from a book called Instant Game, and what it gave rise to was something that I felt didn't lend itself to solo play, simply because there was kind of a level of intrigue, and in order for me to play it solo. There would be a lot of information that 
I, as a solo player, would be privy to that would impinge on my ability to play a, a character who didn't have that insider knowledge, you know. And, yeah, this was something just conjured up on a bunch of random tables, but it kind of led to an idea that's slowly been percolating in my head. Um, you know, I have to admit, I've not actually physically done anything with this idea, but it just keeps coming back to me. There's a, a sort of a, a persistence to it. Um, this This whole concept of a city divided at war ideologically at least and this situation being exploited by a sort of a media a propagandist who's maintaining this division this rift um, because it's proving very lucrative to him and his associates and um how he uh, creates his propaganda um, through, you know, through the media, through newspapers, pamphlets, uh, literature. Uh, But in order to ensure that the truth of this operation doesn't reach the outside world, his whole operation is manned by highly intelligent slave monkeys it struck me at the time as being such an interesting idea i needed to it's something that i could build a world upon it's certainly a setting but um yeah and i I guess i just wanted to say that i i didn't feel that the use of random tables implies a lack of concern a lack of investment or lack of belief in the world that it gave rise to. And that perhaps there was something going on at a deeper level that was disrupting this sense of investment in the world you'd created. Yeah, so I just felt there was more to think about there. And yeah, I just can't help wondering if maybe your feelings about the world that you've created or are creating is related to feelings of inadequacy as a world builder as, a, as opposed to anything actually being wrong with the world you're creating just a thought anyway great episode and great to hear that you're in a better place than you were in the previous episode. You know, this is a very supportive community and I know that in these moments when we may need support the most is probably when we're least likely to remember that the support is there. Um, But just, you know, know that it is. We're here to help each other out. Spencer there, aka Free Thrall. If you're not listening to his podcast, Keep Off the Borderlands, you know, I reckon you probably should be. I always hate it when podcasters say that, but you know what? I mean it. Spencer is, as you hear, one of the most thoughtful 
and I feel most supportive members of the Anchorite community, his, um, his own uh, struggles in getting back to gaming and his willingness to sort of dive in and, and do stuff actually inspire me. And, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be the one with Roleplay Rescue, right? Anyway, to address Spencer's points, uh, so I, I received this uh, sort of lunchtime on during the week at school and actually it took me back. I didn't quite know how to to respond at first. But um, Spencer, when you said that, uh, you know, the feelings of inadequacy is a world builder thing, that really rang true. And is there something at a deeper level going on? Yes, actually, there is. Um, and I kind of feel that... Uh, it's it's hard to explain, but I'm going to try a simple approach with it. And in simple terms, I feel the reason I don't believe in my world yet is because my world isn't populated with enough people. My world is populated with NPCs who essentially aren't yet, in my mind, living enough. And also, obviously, the players... I've had a couple of sessions and they are probably more alive than my NPCs to me. And I feel like I'm shortchanging my players by not having a depth of NPC there. But the reality is that I really struggle with NPC stuff. And I, this is like the ultimate weakness for me as a GM, I think. Uh, aside from procrastination, which I've spoken about before, it is not knowing how to generate, create, and play convincing NPCs. On random tables, I want to talk about that in a moment because um, I don't feel like there's a problem with me at random tables per se, but I do have another caller who has something to say about that, and I think I'd like to respond to that separately. On the point of support, I actually really appreciate the call, more than you can understand, really, um, probably. And I know I say that um, probably sounding very arrogant, but I I just sometimes don't think people can fully understand the impact they have on others. And um, Spencer, that was an amazing call to get. It was very brave of you to put it out and send it to me. I am a, a pretty hard on myself when it comes to my hobby, and um, I, it really brought me up short and made me realise that um, actually... Uh, lack of confidence about what I do. It's amazing, isn't it? Here I am making a podcast, encouraging people to come back to the hobby, encouraging people to get back to gaming. And I speak often with confidence about much in, in the hobby in terms of theory and everything else. But at heart, as an active dungeon master, I don't feel knowledgeable, experienced and, and um, competent. And so thank you for calling me out on it, I guess. I think you're right. My world is, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the world. I just feel though that as more I can, as more I can invest there, as more I can do, and I'm not sure how to do it. I've read, by the way, so many things on NPCs in my time and all of it, all of it intimidates the crap out of me. So if anyone's got tips, yeah, call in, please let me know, because I seriously need some help with this. Spencer, 
Thank you. Hey, Che, it's Dave. Listening to Dungeon Master's Diary. Sorry for the bad audio. I'm in my car. I'm coupled to the Bluetooth. I know it comes out bad, but I don't want to turn it off because I might have trouble coupling it back on again, which is a pain in the bum. Um, I think that maybe sometimes you caricature your alternatives. Listening to the last one, you're saying you're not ready to give over player, player control of your narrative. You're not doing enough work to make your world believable. You're worried about it being believable. And then you caricature your alternative. You know, I know some people say just roll on the random tables. Don't worry about it. I'd invite you to just think about one aspect of that, which is who's got to believe your world? Who really needs to believe it? It's your players, right? Um, and they'll actually do a lot of work to believe things if you just leave them some gaps to fill in. So I'd invite you, you know, rather than caricature the alternatives, you know, to just think about what's being offered there. It's not like, you know, you must change the way you prep your games, you've got to do it this way. But just, just think about that one, that one possibility that if Actually, I don't know where that if was going. I said it all. Uh, I love the show. Really enjoying it. Um, yeah, I just thought you give you give short shrift to the lazier DM. I think actually one of the things that laziness does, you know, put the things there, let the players join it up, is give the players some space to make your world believable. And like, if they start believing it, how much easier is it for you to believe it? Anyway. That's just what I was thinking on my way to work this morning. I'll catch you soon, Che. Dave Aldridge there. Dave, thank you for calling in, man. Um, and again, from another fantastic podcast, Deeper Centile Podcast is one that I just instantly listen to. And if you haven't caught Dave's stuff, I'd recommend it. He's also one of the four, the Fab Four from Purple Worm, which is also an interesting podcast. And... Uh, they've recently been talking about fighting fantasy, which I particularly enjoyed. So anyway, I'm whizzing off, avoiding the topic. Dave, thank you for your call in. I really appreciate it. That, those words, you caricature your alternatives. Yeah, they caught me up sharp this week as well. Uh, thank you. And you're kind of right, aren't you? I mean, I do tend to, I guess, place things in simple caps, you know, and um, maybe that's for brevity. Maybe that's just over-simplistic thinking, and I don't like simplistic thinking because, you know, simple is a good thing, but simplistic, uh, not so good. So thank you for calling me out on that again and, and pulling me up on it, and it got me thinking. Uh, so again, I, I received your message partway through the school day, and it got me thinking. It got, um, you know, I feel as though... Um, this links with Spencer's thing on the random tables because I know that you are a proponent of uh, games like The Black Hack where pretty much it is like rights and characters in about 30 seconds to two minutes um, roll on some random tables and get a game going. And I don't mean to be dismissive about that. I, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit in awe of that. I think that if you could just turn up to a table and roll on some random tables in about 15 minutes or something and then just play a game, that's there's something really laudable about that and something really uh, incredible about that and I I am a good improviser actually at the table but I never feel like I want to approach the table just ready to improvise I've done it in the past and I found it incredibly stressful the other side of it is that I want my world and my games to have a sense of depth and what I worry about when I roll up stuff quickly is that I'm going to get something that isn't particularly interesting or or you know that maybe feels shallow um now that's an unfounded fear perhaps 
as Spencer said, you know, that there's a awful lot that you, you know, smash creativity essentially is about smashing ideas together in a different way that you hadn't thought about. And you certainly get something fresh from a random table. And I like using random tables at the gaming table because they free me up as a GM a bit as well. You know, like when running random encounters, for example, is a classic just example of that. It just, yeah, it frees me up. I don't have to worry about that. And yet, <laughs> I feel like, I get what you're saying about space for the players. I There's plenty of room. I mean, I don't really come to the table with plots per se or anything like that. I don't prep plots. I try to prep situations. I try to prepare um, game, uh, you know, hooks, if you like, things that the players could bite uh, in a sandbox type game. But as I said a few minutes ago, I I feel my world lacks depth. Part of that is because it's new, I suppose, but part of it's also because I know my flaw and I don't want to admit to it. And you know what? I'm just thinking about it. There's probably some random tables out there that you're going to point me at to help me with NPCs. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this reply. I just wanted to say thank you. I felt again like with Spencer, I felt that there was a wonderful honesty in that call coming from your car. And by the way, the Bluetooth sounds fine to me. But hey, I appreciated it. The fact that you, you know, you took the time to just send me that minute and a half of, of commentary uh, to invite me to think about my options and uh, yeah, to call me out on caricaturing approaches to gaming. Uh, when you say, by the way, about the lazy DM, I mean, at heart, I'm a lazy guy. I don't like doing anything that takes hard work. But um, on the other hand, I, I will say this hand on heart. I feel like, Outside of teaching, the thing I work hardest at is, is you know, role-playing games. And I feel like there is a need for some work to make a good game good. Maybe I'm just wrong about that. I don't know. Dave, thanks for your call. I, I appreciate it. I really do. Game on, man. It's Friday morning, um, starting work. Tonight is, hopefully, game night. I'm absolutely knackered. Um, parents' evenings, they're fun. Last night was parents' evening, that meant basically, um, what are we talking, 12 and a bit hour day. Uh, Tom, I got home, nearly 13 hour day. So, tired. And um, also, weirdly, uh, feeling... Yeah, keen to play, but at the same time, quite nervous about it. Um, anxious again. Hmm. But, you know, it should be fine. I've just got to get through a uh, working day, really. <laughs> Lots going on today, so it'll be quite mental. Um, I get to go home. On the upside, if I remember to take it home, I can take home my acrylic... Uh, I say acrylic. Acetate is not acrylic. No, it is acrylic. Uh this thing this I'm tapping two bits together um, uh, hex I've got a hex of hexes really I've got a hex shaped arena made up of sections of acetate or, or acrylic or something that have been laser etched with a hex um, 
design and then had acrylic paint filling the hole on one side so that using it upside down is quite cool because you just get this lovely um, hex pattern. I'm thinking of throwing some art underneath, so sort of dungeon art or wilderness art, whatever you are, you want underneath. Bam this on top, I've got a hex grid immediately over whatever artwork I want for tabletop mini element of my game. Um, it's a full-sized hex arena, um, but it also breaks down into sections for portability. So there are about three hexes wide, and what we've got two, four, six, eight, nine or so hexes long. Um, and there are some sections that are uh, also of a different shape, so that they actually allow you to do diagonals and all sorts of other things. Hexes being what they are, it's quite useful. Um, now, Dave, who is one of my colleagues who's made this, um, it's prototype number one. He's talking about doing a second one. We're thinking about doing a four-piece arena, so slightly less portable, but still not that big. I mean, this thing is about, well, if he's done it nine and nine, it's going to be 18 inches across, which I think is more than enough for most battle scenes, to be fair. Um, and really, this has come about as a, as a dialogue between Frank T and me, and Frank pointed me at somebody on YouTube whose name completely eludes me, who does this kind of like 18-inch arena thing. And I thought that would be great for um, to go. So I'm looking forward to... Um, I'm going to remember to take home. So I guess if I put it in my bag... There you go. I'm not going to forget it. Hey, it's Friday night. It's games night. And I'm making stuff. So... Uh, uh, Chris from oh god 2.5D stuff. I can't remember the name of the place now off the top of my head. Anyway, using Chris's uh, CSB Chris is it? Um, his 2.5 dungeon stuff. Just whacking some sheets of that onto some three mil or five mil. I think it's five mil core. Um, and my plan is to create six sections, which are what they. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, about eighteen inch by actually this might be enough. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, yes. Eighteen by about twenty-one inch set of dungeon floor plans laid on some foam core. Now I've got my hexes, which I'm rattling directly at the camera. And now we start the puzzle, which is the only downside of this whole thing. The stand next to me is Shandy Andy, by the way, who's here for the game tonight. I think we might need another one. Yeah. We might need another two, in fact, because the whole length of this one. Wow, it's quite big, actually. Yeah. Right, so, two down. It's a good job I've got all this stuff lying around that I intended to use in the summer and then didn't, because I'm rubbish. And Chris sent me all this stuff for free as well, so that's completely gutting. But hey, Chris, dude, seriously, uh, get this working tonight, and uh, that's great, and then it goes to school on Tuesday, which is kind of what I promised I'd do with it. So cheers, mate, if you're listening. Probably aren't. Well, though, the missus is going down. Hello. You all right? No, I need nightmares. Uh, you need nightmares. Oh, hi. We're recording, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first voice of Deborah, my wife. There you go. Deb was actually talking this morning. What were you talking about doing? Hijacking my podcast and doing what? Oh, I was talking about doing an episode of partners of role players who are worried about their house becoming completely consumed by your hobby. 
Maybe we could start a support group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was listening to uh, Tim Shorts today. He's uh, unboxing BX Essentials. And I heard sorry, that, old yeah. school essentials. And there's Ivy going, What? You've got the box set with five books in it, and you've got the book, and that's the same as what's in the box set, just in one book. Why? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was hilarious. At least Tim was honest. Yeah. <laughs> He's going, This is why you don't unbox in front of your wife. You do know in the 21st century we have PDFs. Yeah. You may not have come across them, but your house does not get full of PDFs. <laughs> they don't take as much space up as hundreds of A4 books. It's true. It's just a thought. Yeah. Welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Online podcast debut of my wife. Actually, there you go, Deborah. Thank Is that actually so. A4 size? Oh, what? Is that that A4? Yeah, so what you got here, um, yeah, so you got a sheet, I mean, okay, so describing this for the listener, it's got a sheet, and it's got, it's A3 sheet, and it's got, half of it, A4-wise, is dungeon squared floor plan, which is great if you're playing D&D and stuff, because it's obviously squares, yay, um, and then the other half, you've got about, that's divided into two strips, and you've got a strip of cobbles to do walls with. So the idea is you cut that into strips, and you put oh, right, yeah, walls yeah. along the edge, so you get a 2.5D thing. Which doesn't probably make much sense if you haven't seen what I'm doing. And in the middle, you've got a couple of doors and the bases for those. You've got like stuff. This is stuff for doing anything like um, temple. You could do like uh, pillars, or you could yeah. do the edging of altars and stuff like that. And you've got some wood and some finer wood textures, which is great for just doing bits of scenery and terrain. And this pack is from, you can buy a pack like your mouse, you can just get the PDFs that pay as you want on um, RPG, that's what drive through RPG isn't it? Yeah. RPG Now is about to say. Um, but I also print them at, um, uh, crikey what's his name, does it, uh, my brain is just gone tonight, it's awful. Uh, it's going to come to me in a second. Anyway, there is a company in the UK that prints like character sheets and all sorts of stuff for old school gaming and book, book of pads and notepads and it's going to come to me in a second and they print these and this is what square I've got. Hex, square Hex, that's yes. the one. Yeah, Square Hex, you get these from Square Hex. So I've asked a pack from Square Hex. What have you got, about 20 sheets, something like that? 20, 20 or 30 sheets number. of this stuff. And it's like about, well, it's certainly less than a tenner, I think, or something like that. Pretty good, you know, and this stuff's on nice thick glossy paper, you know, it's quite quite decent. And all I'm now doing is what you do normally is you would choose the right side of your room and cut your sections out, do it on some phone cord or onto some cardboard. And you've got instant terrain really. It's kind of printed, pre-printed, really nice textures, you know. And as you can see, it doesn't take a lot of time to assemble. Got a couple of doors somewhere upstairs already made, so I think myself trying to find those. Anyway. Um, the plan, ladies and gentlemen, is to get some of this stuff laid out and then drop my, uh, I guess that's acrylic, I keep calling it acetate, but it's actually acrylic, I think it is, plastic, see-through plastic, what's it called, not opaque. See Transparent. Transparent, there you go. Between us, we're kind of mastering okay. the English language again, aren't we? Um, anyway, what my mate... Dave, who's a colleague at work, has done is he's laser etched a hex pattern onto the back of this stuff and then cut it up into six. So he's done me a hex thing, which is about 18 inch hex of hexes. 
which are about one inch hexes. And then you divide them into sections that are three hexes wide. So you could, in theory, lay that down and do a like dungeon. That was the idea originally. Kind of. But what I'm going to do is lay out the whole hex, and then we'll just use that battle area. The theory being, you don't need much more than about 18 or so inches of combat space, you know, um, on, a, on a battlefield. Because actually you can kind of do the battlefield as a rolling thing if you needed to anyway. Um, and I reckon most of the action happens in, you know, you get into a fight, how much? There is a bit of manoeuvring, but how much is there really? So not so much, so I'm kind of thinking the idea is I can throw whatever art I want underneath this hex thing and then and it's going to be slightly confused. Oh, this is 5mm, that's 3mm, that's annoying. Why did I do that? <laughs> so I've got one bit that's thicker, ladies and gentlemen. So that's not any use to me whatsoever. No, it's just that I had some leftover thin stuff and I've gone and put it all on the thin stuff instead of on the thick stuff. <laughs> oh, you're an idiot, Webster. You really are. Right, okay. Excuse me, get some of the thin stuff. You should see the withering look I just gave him. Right, how big is this hex thing anyway? The only problem is that my mate Dave chopped it up in these bits and it is like a bit of a puzzle. Um, I say a bit of a puzzle, a complete flipping puzzle. And he's marked them up, but I can't even figure out how he marked them up. A, B. This is going to be a fascinating section, isn't it? For journal, not. Playing with prototypes. That's what we're doing anyway, so I'm going to shut up now. See you later. Last night was Friday night gaming night, and I had a blast actually. Dave and Andy made it. Ian at the very last minute, had to cry off because there's a lot of illness in the family. He didn't want to pass any of that round, which is understandable. Um, but the other two guys were up for it, so when we got together, a brief conversation was had in which I think Andy actually said, you know, I don't really want to continue with the game without Ian. Uh, it seems a bit sort of weird. <laughs> so um, I made the suggestion of trying out the Naked GURPS, if you want to call it that, stripped GURPS, uh, very basic GURPS, the alternative to ultralight GURPS that Frank T and I talked about in the bonus episode, the GURPS conversation. And so there I was on the fly doing a Dungeons of Thal session with the Friday Night Gamers, which again, it was a blast and I enjoyed it. I hope they did. So what we did is we made characters using the notes that Frank and I had kind of spitballed off the top of our heads into audio. And I was doing it mostly from memory. And they wrote those characters down on some scrap paper. And then about 15 minutes later, we were into the game, which was kind of fun. Um, they went down the dungeon that the kids had been going down and had a similar outcome, I think. Actually, I think they were probably a lot smarter than the kids. Um, and that kind of saved their lives utterly. We've recorded the session and I'm really quite tempted to um, just share parts of that because um, even though it was raw and rough and I was very much running on the fly, you can tell that in the character creation bit because I keep cocking up and making a couple of mistakes, but actually um, reflecting on it, it was good. I was energised, it was exciting and I, you know, I found the holes in it, which are kind of, one of them was when Dave chose Magic User 
as his wildcard skill. And I I realised that kind of earlier that magic was going to be the big question, but I kind of figured out how to solve it on the fly. The only problem is I really do feel like I dumped a big cognitive load onto Dave um, over spells. I was going to wing them. Um, and then I realised that actually... But way through the session, there's all sorts of things going on in the session. I didn't have everything I wanted at the table. Um, and as I was playing, I suddenly remembered that adventure fantasy role playing game is what I use at school more. And I went and grabbed those bits because I, I needed odd bits. I kind of went, I think I went and grabbed the monster book. And then about five minutes later or ten minutes later, I went and grabbed the rest of the box because I suddenly needed all the tokens and stuff in it. Probably wandered them at the table. Anyway. Um, yeah, I gave Dave the spell book at one point in the session and sort of allowed him to choose a couple of spells. Um, now, this was fine, actually, because I think at the point in which he did that, um, you know, Andy was kind of leading the exploration and Dave was okay with kind of, you know, just picking a couple of spells out of the book and then as he was kind of like listening in. Oddly, Dave didn't cast a single... Dave's character didn't cast a single spell. Um... Yeah, the choices he made were, were cool. Um, but I kind of need to iron that stuff out. Um, what I think I need is kind of just a bit of clarity around the use of those skills and if we use magic, how that would work. And probably means kind of a couple of mini spell lists or something like that. Anyway, it was fun. Now, on top of that, um, overnight I've had a message from Hobbs. So, hi, Hobbs, if you're listening. I guess he's been listening to um, Tim Shorts uh, because I invited Tim Shorts to come and play some of this stuff um, in a few weeks' time. And it looks like Hobbs wants in, and I'm really chuffed by that. I'm really excited by that. That's a really nice and positive thing. I don't know if we can make that happen, but it would just be so cool um, using this kind of stripped-down GURPS stuff to introduce a few people to GURPS, see if I can, uh, you know, reuse the dungeons I guess and that's energising me into wanting to go and like, draw some more of the dungeon out you know just sort of design a bit more of the dungeon which is really exciting of course I'm also doing the GAIAC 75 challenge with SF and um, I'm supposed to be draw the map week uh, for the area so I've got to get on with that and finish that off today um, I say finish that off I've got to get on with that and do that today today is the last day of that week so there's, there's, you know, there's stuff going on in my hobby. It's been a very intense week at work. And um, also, you know, Deb has been ill through the week. She's been going into work, but she's not been great. And I've been um, just making sure I was around, really, in, in the evenings and being, you know, being there. But anyway, last night was a blast, and I'm kind of, energized by all of it and um yeah i'm kind of pleased i did that actually i'm really pleased that we made that decision so uh, ian isn't kind of missing out and i'm really pleased because that means this project's moving forward just gotta check it all in with uh, frank and let him know i guess game on